Many veterinary professionals ask us, how do I get started as a speaker, as a writer, as an influencer? This week, we want to give you some tips and tricks on how you can get your message heard. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a tough topic that many people struggle with is, hey, I want to do something in the speaking world, in the writing world. I want to be an influencer somehow, and they don't know where to start. And this week, we want to share with you some of our lessons over our careers and maybe help you move your message a little bit more forward. But before we get into all that moving, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. Becky and I will both be at VMX uh, pretty much <gasps> yeah. the whole time next week. So look out for us. If you see us, come up to us. You never know. We might even have something to give you. But we really want to see you and meet you. And again, we'll be there and we're lecturing and hanging out and doing all kind of stuff. So if you're at VMX 2023, definitely come by and say hello. And Becky, you know, as we enter the new year, a lot of people are setting out resolutions and goals and ambitions for themselves. And many people are contacting folks like us and saying, hey, how do I get started doing whatever it is? And oftentimes, you know, it's a circuitous path and maybe it's not just something you can do immediately. But, you know, Becky, I do think we've learned a few lessons maybe that could help people accelerate their path. Yeah, I mean, every time, not every time, but a lot of times I finish speaking, I'm met by somebody who's in the audience who has passion. They have knowledge and they want to share it. They want to go out and inspire others. I think this can be one of the biggest compliments because it means that they're feeling inspired. At the at the end of my lecture, they feel inspired enough to want to do something like that to inspire their profession. And so I always consider it a big compliment when people say that. Um, and so I think there's a lot of folks out there who want to share their passion, share their knowledge, and just don't know exactly how to get started, where to go. And, and I think a lot of times we see the same names popping up over and over again. So it seems a little impenetrable. And so I think you and I want to help folks enter that world who have passion and knowledge to share. Yeah. And, and I think too, at the very outset, I want to be very clear that if you want to share something with the world, passion isn't enough in my opinion, right? I mean, that's a, that's a good start, but you've really got to have experience. And then I would go to expertise. And, you know, Becky, when I look back on how I got into this, look, I never asked. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was approached, we were doing some very innovative things in my first clinic and I had been a practice owner for over seven years and we were just having phenomenal success. And honestly, that translated into financial success. And that's how we got noticed by a lot of people around the country. And, and then I was asked to share that, right? So I had a little bit of a different, and, and I would say, if you're listening today, if people are coming to you and asking you to share, then if you have any ambitions in that world, please take it because we need more people. But Becky, you know, I do want to make sure that, that just because, you know, I, there's two ways, right? There's a hobbyist attitude where you can create social media and say, hey, I like talking about whatever it is. And I think you should do that right now. I think that there's never been a better time. But then on the other hand, when you're talking to colleagues, I do think experience counts. I hope that made a little bit of sense. Yeah. I mean, obviously experience counts. It doesn't, I think it's hard to bring passion to a topic you don't have any experience with. I think the the thing to say from my experience is, Unfortunately, not everybody who wants to 
be a public speaker and educator should be, right? Like, <laughs> right. like it's I, I not agree. I agree. necessarily something that, it, because education is an art, it is a talent. And some people have great information in their head, but it doesn't necessarily get communicated in a way that is not insanely intensely dry and really hard to consume. So part of really great education is the consumability of it. Right. And I would have to say uh, vet school could take note from this because <laughs> my entire <laughs> vet career was basically in school was like, oh, my gosh, these people, I'm sure they're incredibly knowledgeable and experienced, but man, they're terrible at teaching. So so where's that element, right? So you have to have the experience, the expertise, the passion, the drive, and then you also have to have these communication skills that we, you know, some of us have and some don't, you know, and, and I feel very fortunate because, you know, from when I was a little kid, you know, at 4-H speech contest, you know, I've been given public speaking stuff. So you know what I'm saying, Becky? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So obviously it's somewhere you excel and there's a lot of folks out there that I think feel they would be good at that. There's a lot of yeah, folks yeah, out yeah. there who also feel like public speaking is the biggest nightmare they ever could face. Um, and either want to challenge themselves or want to find another outlet for passion relaying. So that, that's where we sort of talk about the articles or maybe podcasts where it feels a little less public. But there are a lot of outlets for folks who have passion behind their knowledge, right? Now, we also know, and, and this is adjacent, right? We're not talking about the people who are, I, I guess, influencer kind of tweaks me wrong, yeah, just in the sure. sense of like, I don't want, I don't necessarily want to be called an influencer. I don't mean to be an influencer. I simply am just like a talker and a, an opinionated person who has found outlets for it. But there are people who are, who want to be an influencer. And I think that's a different set of thing. Of, of, <laughs> uh, it, it can be because there are some people who say, I really want to influence in like, okay, let's use Tosh McNearney, for example. Tosh wants to influence in the pain management world. And she's very in that lane. That's where she educates. That's where she has her passion. Everything for her is in, that's where she wants to influence. If you simply want to be an influence because of your presence, this is not the podcast for, for you in that sense. This is more about those who really have a topic or some knowledge and they want to get up on stage or they want to write an article. They want to enter that professional world. Right. And see, Tosh is a great example and I have great admiration for her. Uh, and if you're not familiar with uh, Tosh McNary, she is a veterinary technician, but she's also a specialist in anesthesia amongst other things, writes textbooks. And, and see, Becky, that's where I like that foundation because like you and I both have sort of this negative reaction when we hear the word influencer, because we you know, equate that with social media. And we think of it as really maybe non-credentialed, non-experts, right? Just somebody who says, hey, I want to do something. And 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 we're talking, I, I do think, you know, people like Tasha and you, Becky, you know, who've gone on to further your credentials and, and education and so forth, you know, th I think that's, that's really, I think important. I, I Man, gosh, this is starting to sound, <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? Like the influencer part, like do that if that's what you want to do. And I encourage you to do that. I think there's great opportunities out there, but I do think that from, if you're going to teach our colleagues professional level, you know, I love what you and Tosh and others have done. Yeah. Thanks. I will say I do not have advanced credentials like a VTS like Tosh has, but I think we've made it pretty clear we're you talking have a to master's you guys out there degree. That You've done a lot, Becky. <laughs> you are true. amazing. Well, but but I not in the veterinary space. I just want to be fair. So so you make a good point, yeah. right? I talk on leadership because that's where my master's degree is taking me, right? Leadership and development and organizational right. promotion and things like that. And my topics have changed over the years with the with the areas that I've worked in medicine. Right. 
Um, so, so yes, to your point, exactly. So we, I think we've created a good base of those folks. We don't want to talk anybody out of it, but I think step number one is your why. So I think we can take all of this back chatter and say, this comes down to step one. Why do you want to be out there? Is it because you want to be recognized because you have passion, because you have expertise, really drill down your why. And that's going to help you move on to step two, which is kind of your where. Right, right. And, and again, where is more open than ever. And I do believe strongly, guys, that if this is part of your why, that the where should be social media. I think there's a lot of opportunities out there, you know. And again, I think, you know, Becky, what what what's happening in the world of the Internet, if you will, is this sort of very very localized, very micro level of influencing and sharing and and communities, right? So like if you're really passionate about feline restraint, like there's a a community that you can create or you can get involved with, right? I mean, it's that discreet. Whereas back in my day, you know, 30 years ago when I started on this journey, you know, I had to talk about general medicine or business, right? Or later nutrition and longevity, right? I mean, you know, these are big broad buckets, but today you can literally focus on melatonin, you know, if you want. Yeah. So outside of social media and looking at the speaking and writing circuits, When you start to think about where you want to speak, what are some things that you would give advice to future people who want to either get into speaking and getting into writing? What is that kind of second step to, I know I want to do this. I'm passionate. I have knowledge. Where should they start to look to get into these roles? I would obviously say start doing it. So this means creating your own content. So writing blog posts, you know, just starting, you know, every week posting a blog post about this thing that you're passionate about. Because what you're trying to do is not only create sort of this archive or library or portfolio, but also hone your craft, right? I mean, like when I look back at the ideas and the way I was presenting them and writing them and and lecturing on them, you know, 25 years ago, Becky, I, you know, I, I sometimes cringe a little bit, you know, but, but you're learning, this is a process. So the sooner you can start doing it, I think is really important. I mean, Becky, even our, I, I would argue that our podcast and some of you guys might disagree. I think they're better today than they were six years ago, simply because we do it so much. We learn from feedback and listening to ourselves and others, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I, step number two, the where find that platform. And then I would say step three is you got to start doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. Getting some content together is really important because I think it just sort of helps you organize what it is exactly you want to talk about. I have a lot of folks say to me, like, I want to do what you do, but they don't really necessarily have it drilled down to what they want to talk about or how they want to go about it. Now, there are some organizations that have key opinion leaders, key, they're changing all it's KOL, KTLs. Uh, You'll hear all these different acronyms. And so sometimes your sales reps can help you get started in a role if you have a passion, if you have um, a lot of dedication and experience in the profession, you may be able to lean into your drug reps to find out if their company has opportunities for you to do more learning and more socializing within the profession. And I think socializing is a place that's is is that networking that becomes really important. Yeah, and I think I love what you just said there because that's that's how that's how I stumbled into this whole thing, right? Because I had 
a clinic that was selling things and primarily, you know, food was the big thing. And then of course, uh, a lot of preventives, we were just, you know, <laughs> top in the nation uh, in solo practices at the time, you know, and, and of course this is in the nineties. So, you know, this is a different world, but you know, Becky, our sales reps were going, Holy smokes. Are you guys seeing the numbers down there? And then they were funneling that up to their, you know, managers or whatever. And suddenly people are like, Whoa, I got to come down here and see this, this clinic. And then, you know, they showed up and they're like, can you share this with our folks? Right. And that was kind of what kicked it off. So I, I love the fact that you said, Hey, you know, if you're in a clinic today, you're a vet tech, you're a veterinarian, you've got some great innovative ideas running by your drug reps because they are actually seeing a ton of innovation, you know, all the time. And they can kind of, you know, be a little bit of a litmus test for you. Absolutely. And there are a lot of times on the inside um, circuits, they know conferences that are coming up, they know opportunities. A lot of times they put together educational lunch and learns or after dinner talks and things like that. So they might be a source for you to start to tap into towing the water to see if this is something that you really want to do. The next part for me, um, like I said, was that networking. For me, when I started speaking and writing, it is solely because I was involved with my state and national associations. I started out being involved in my state association. I moved up to the national association and it truly gave me the connections that I needed to share my passion, share my interests and to be given these opportunities. We, we regularly say this is a really small uh, profession and you want to be careful not to burn bridges and things like that. But these, this really small community can also be a way of networking right. to find out where your opportunities are and who is looking for the topics you're interested in. And honestly, I believe the majority of us all got here on someone else's shoulders. Sure. Some, someone elevated all of us up to, to, opportunities that we all got. And they all came from networking, getting to know people and showing up. And so involvement is, I think, one of the number one things you can do to elevate that opportunity network in front of you. Yeah. And again, viewfinders, we keep saying get involved with your organizations, whatever they are and at whatever level, because this is the this is networking at its purest, you know, foundational status. I mean, I think that if I were you right now and you've got this passion about this thing and you want to share it and, and elevate it to this other level, well, right now, go contact your state organization, right? Whether it's a vet tech or vet and say, how can I get involved? Get on a committee, do whatever, because that recognition, I will tell you, Becky, right now, you know, for good and for bad, because I think a lot of people use this pathway that maybe I wish they hadn't, but you know, you can, that will fast track it for sure. I mean, I've seen so many people just sort of rise up and sometimes I've been like amazed and, and awed by their, their efforts and, and abilities. But then I, I've seen people that I'm like, wait, what? And they did it because they networked, right? I mean, so I've seen some people in my world, Becky, who I'm like, oh, please, not again. But yet they've done such a wonderful job of, of networking, establishing relationships that, you know, they're there. Sure. And I mean, again, we know that there are a lot of folks who maybe shouldn't be in the space, but I think focusing on those that should be and want to be, making sure that they have that pathway is really important. And I think a lot of times, being introverted in our nature, we don't always want to reach out and say, hey, what kind of opportunities are there? And so some of this introversion can also um, get in our way. And so if that's the case, for a lot of folks I know, just going straight to the websites and submitting abstracts and content 
can be the next best thing to at least just take a swing and see if they might get picked up. So what do you tell folks who are asking you about how to make an abstract? What should they submit? How does that look? Yeah, really, really uh, good point. And I would say it it varies, right? So uh, I get people unsolicited sending me, you know, like I, I had a, a, a wonderful person <laughs> last year send me about 12 different articles they had written. It was a jumbled mess. It was overwhelming, right? So I would say, first and foremost, don't just dump stuff on people. This, this is not a cold call type of thing, like where you can just say, hey, here's 12 uh, articles I've written, uh, and each one's about five pages long. Would you mind telling me what you think about it? <laughs> you know, Becky, because that's going to be like, a, hey, good luck out there and, and knock yourself out. But um, I would say that, you know, first of all, if it's like for a journal or a, a website or whatever, contact them first and say, hey, I am interested in this. I am an expert in this. I would like to share about that. And then say, what what would you like to for me to send you? Honestly, Becky, I think that's the first thing. And, you know, if you get a decline, don't take it personally. I mean, this is just part of the process, right? I mean, you know, you've got to keep kind of working and honing and whatever and and trying to trying to figure out. But Becky, you know, I think that going back to that original thing, you know, you need to refine your craft if, if at all possible. So if you can start to put stuff out on your own website, for example, or on social media channels or whatever it is you prefer, I mean, Becky, you'll get that kind of feedback because I think that where, where uh, you, you've heard me say this, Becky, and I've lectured on this for, you know, it's like anytime an, an one of my employees, vet, manager, tech, whatever, didn't matter, if they had an idea for something, I would not even sit down with them unless they had done what first? written it down because I know that act actually helps them refine their thoughts, right? And and many times you'll stare back at that paper and go, this really isn't quite as innovative as I thought it was at first. And then you can either make it better or move on to something else. So I, I again, Becky, when you get back to where do you do it and how do you do it, it's, it's platform specific, it's it's journal specific. It's whatever. Uh, find out what their rules are because everybody does have a slightly different, you know, version of what they want. What about you? I mean, do you have any advice? I mean, you're kind of more on the the vet tech side of things. Do they have like a standard thing, or do you have to kind of approach each one a little bit differently? So most conferences have abstract submission processes, and so think about the conferences that you'd like to attend. Maybe it's to start out with a, um, as a technician, maybe it's your local tech conference, maybe it's your state VMA conference, but find the conference that you might be interested in speaking at and look and find out when they have their call for abstracts and their open submissions. So these processes will generally tell you what they're looking for. The process of writing an abstract and knowing what to submit is really tricky. At least it was for me in the beginning when they, I was asked to speak, um, I hadn't submitted anything. I was asked outright to speak. And so I had to kind of create from um, already having said yes, I right. <laughs> had to create content. So a good abstract is, you know, no different than that inside cover of your favorite novel. Just what is it that you can say in a paragraph or two that would make coming into this lecture beneficial for the audience? You're also going to be asked to write out three or four objectives. And these are the things that are going to guide the content that you have either written or are going to write, but it's the things that the attendees can expect to walk away with. One thing to keep in mind, I think that's really important, is that entire set of content goes to race for approval. So really solid abstract with really solid objectives is going to be one way to get noticed. Think of it very much like a cover letter. You have to be convincing in that very small amount of time 
why the content is good, why it should be presented and why somebody should come and sit through it as well as what they're going to walk out of there with. Yeah. And again, you know, when you do these submittals, expect rejection. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know how to say that more subtly, Becky. I mean, but you know, I, I, I get rejected to this day, right. And, you know, and, and you have to develop a, a coping mechanism, the ability to, to shoulder that. Right. I mean, because uh, if, if, if you're the type, uh, Becky, again, you know, if, if you're the type of person that this is going to upset, I would say be a little more cautious. I mean, I, I, what, what have your experiences been? I mean, have you experienced rejection when it comes to this sort of, you never. know, never, no. wow. Okay. I've never been rejected. <laughs> wow. I have a hundred percent. No, of course I've been rejected. hundred percent okay, I've been okay, rejected. Okay, okay, I don't care. I could That's see you not fine. being rejected. I could see to it be just fair, being me. I just lost my job. I, <laughs> I have been rejected on the, on the highest level. Um, <laughs> I've been rejected in so many different ways. It's it's not even funny. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. It, I, you know, part of that is the grieving process. Right. Um, I guess I'm trying to stick more to the how to do it than the recovery from the not getting it, so to say. Right. Um, but, because but I, I don't want it. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I just know. don't think it was the focus of what I was trying to get at. <laughs> no, like of course 20 not. minutes into the episode. <laughs> so I'm really just trying to leave them with that. Like we have positive note of how to get through this. Um, but I think so it is I think positive. Rejection, I think it is. I we've mean, talked like... regularly about um, how editing can make you a better writer and right. how, you know, having the process of not being accepted, I guess is a better way better, to me than better. saying rejected. Um <laughs> is finding out impossibly why that content wasn't accepted. I have worked with speakers in the past who have great content and have not been accepted back. And the truth is they're just not great speakers. And so unfortunately they feel like, I guess, like you say, rejected in that negative sense. But the truth is, is that they've had the opportunity. The feedback isn't that great. And they aren't, maybe the content is great, but they're not a great speaker. Sometimes they're a great speaker, but the content isn't that desirable. There is a total balance between that. So getting that feedback is really important if you aren't getting accepted like you'd like to be, to try to find out what would make it more appealing. Is there something that you could do to make that content more acceptable or more consumable? A lot of times it is just on the other side, hundreds and hundreds of submissions and not that many spaces to put folks. So I think it's very important to get the feedback where it's possible to, to know how to further improve. But sometimes starting small, I think, is a, is a great start because it gives you that feedback on a smaller, more personal scale. That being said, sometimes it's the hardest thing to do to talk in front of people who we know. So like for me, it can be way harder to go talk at like the North Carolina Association of Vet Techs because it's like people I went to school with and people I see all the time and they feel like friends is is so much more awkward than presenting in front of a a group of complete strangers who I probably will never have to see again. Um, But I know I'll get the best feedback from my close colleagues. Yeah. And and sometimes that feedback is... (laughs) Is brutal, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. You do need what to. What did you have in your Wheaties this morning, <laughs> Dr. Ernie? I have never heard you. No, be... no, 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 no. I, I, one of the things that I think people have to prepare themselves for is when you put yourself in the public domain like this, it, it's not always 
you know, fun and rainbows, right? I mean, I, I just, I want people to have realistic expectations as well. Uh, that That's not to say that, you know, this can't be so rewarding, but I think that that's why what Becky said is so important to repeat. It's, it's your why. I mean, when you are doing this for yourself and you feel compelled to share your message, then a lot of this stuff doesn't drag you down and defeat you, right? Becky, that's kind of where I'm going with this. I think that the people that dibble dabble around in some of these things, and then suddenly, you know, the world says, hey, you know, you're not a great speaker. We don't want you back. That can be that can be you know harmful and destructive and devastating. And I think that if your why is there saying, you know, look, you know, this is something I want to do and I want to get better at it and thank you for your feedback, then I think this can be very rewarding. But I, I just want you know, Becky, no, it's not the Wheaties, uh, but <laughs> but yeah. I would say this, like I can't be a ballerina, no matter how much I, <laughs> I have a why, no matter what, you know, I'm not going the the New York Juilliard is not going to accept me into their ballet program. And so you're absolutely right. Let's shoot, let's shoot our shot at a, a, an aimable target for sure. But if we have the, the confidence and we have the ability, there are a lot of different ways to share that out there. Now kind of switching from the speaking circuit, I know that there's a lot of content needed in, especially in the vet tech world. We're always looking for articles for the, you know, um, today's veterinary nurse, which is run by NAVC. Um, you've got the um, a veterinary, the National Association of Vet Techs, right? NAVDA is, puts out a journal and has contents um, that they're always looking for. There are so many places to write as well that, again, I think starting with where are you reading the content you would like to be writing yeah. And getting in touch and finding out how their submission process goes. And and like Dr. Ernie said, finding out what the requirements are. But a lot of times within these publications you're reading, there'll already be an area that has a call for content. Yep. Yep. That's that's a really good point. So look in your your favorite rag, your favorite website, and and see if there's some way to contact them or if they're looking for solicitations. Because you're right, a lot of the larger orgs, Becky, really are desperate. Not desperate, but they are eager yeah. to get new new content because they want to identify those new voices out there. And, and again, you know, one, one of the things, Becky, that is so different today than 30 years ago is the fact that, guess what? You can do this on your own, right? I mean, you can create a website, a social media platform, whatever channels. I mean, you there's that just wasn't available, you know, 30 years ago. Oh my gosh, right? Nowadays, we're on all of the t- platforms doing all of the things, whether we agree with it or not, right. that's for sure. And then the other thing I want to say, I guess, on the, the last part of this is either way, you, whether you want to speak or write or, or whatever it is, because these things are also interconnected right now, I know for sure I've done lectures. In fact, when I was in London, um, I spoke on decision fatigue, which is one of the mm-hmm. most popular lectures that I do. If you've never heard of decision fatigue, it's a thing. It's affecting yeah. you. Look it up. It's amazing. Um, the, I was approached to write some content around decision fatigue for a journal for over there. Right. So my speaking turned into a writing opportunity and this, the same thing can happen from writing to speaking. Right. So if you write some really good content, a lot of times folks will then say, do you have an interest in presenting on this topic? So if you have an interest in speaking, sometimes writing can benefit that. So, so is Dr. Ernie saying maybe a blog, maybe a this, maybe a that. If you're like, well, that's not for me because I want to speak that might still be for you. And if you're like, Hey, I would rather write than speak. It may still be beneficial to get your message out there through video, through social media, through whatever it is, because those are really interchangeable opportunities. 
keep in mind, most of the folks that are out there putting these publications out are also the ones running some type of conference. Yeah. And, and again, viewfinders, I, I, I'm like Becky. I want to encourage you to share your ideas because we are we are desperate. I mean, the profession needs new, fresh ideas. So yeah. if you've got those new, fresh ideas, please come forward, speak out, you know, speak up, get involved with your organization, contact the the, the website or, or magazine that you like the most, you know, somehow get involved. Because I, I will tell you, Becky, the thing that, you know, as I'm in this part of my career, you know, sort of the last little third of it, if you will, you know, I'm looking back and you realize that, okay, you didn't make all the changes that you wanted, but you realize that you can have an impact on a profession. You can change what is being discussed in the main forums, right? You can somehow influence uh, whatever it is that you're about. And I would say that today you have more potential to do that than ever before. So don't, I guess, don't miss this opportunity because I, I think that you're just generation, you know, especially some of the younger Gen Zs out there that are listening. I mean, wow, you are going to have amazing opportunities to share your message, your voice, and at a micro level like never before. So I'm, I'm really, really optimistic, but we need you. We need you to speak up and write out and do all the things that we need you to do and share your ideas. Yeah, I mean, and and that's exactly it. To be fair, I think the, one of the big reasons I thought this would be a good topic is because these circles seem very elite. When you go to these conferences, you see a lot of the same names popping up over and over again. Um, a lot of the times you see these articles, it's the same names popping up over and over again. A lot of the times that's because it's the people who are out there. It's the people who answer their phone or their email or being involved enough to be asked. So if you have an interest, I want to say this. First of all, keep coming up to us at the end of conferences and telling us, hey, how do I do this? How, yes. how I'm happy yes. to help you and, and give you the information. I probably will now just send you to this podcast because I've now <laughs> put it all in one place. <laughs> Two, you know, be vulnerable. If you're not comfortable with vulnerability, go and read everything Brene Brown has ever written and try to figure out how to be comfortable with it because you will never stop feeling vulnerable if you don't think for a second that I don't can't speak for Dr. Ernie, but like I sweat rolls down my back when I'm speaking. I am experiencing stress, even though I'm having a ball and loving what I'm doing. So be really comfortable with that vulnerability. Be comfortable with rejection so that you can learn how to improve and be humble about it. And last but not least, be involved, no matter what, be involved, because it will ultimately pay off in some way or another uh, that you can kind of continue to pursue this avenue that you want to go. And you can get the feedback to find out if it's an avenue you should go. Gosh, I love that. And again, Becky's going to refer you back to this podcast and share this podcast yeah. with people that maybe are in your world that want to share or you think they should share, because I think there are some nuggets in there. But most importantly, as Becky and I have said repeatedly throughout this podcast and numerous others in the past, get involved, get involved with your organization, start to contribute, share your voice. How are you sharing your voice, viewfinders? What are the ideas that you think our profession needs now? And how can you get them out to a wider audience? We'd really like to hear your ideas. Yeah, you guys know where to find us and hear what we're doing. We want to hear what you're doing over on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can also shoot us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Until we see you next week at VMX, I'm Dr. Ernie Ward. Thank you so much. Becky. Bye. Bye. Bye.